Welcome to another episode of Cinemazing Chats. This is episode 12, and we're going to talk about Speed 2. I'm Pablo. And I'm Erica. Yeah, so let me start right off the bat by apologizing for suggesting this film. (laughs) I'd seen it playing on a TV screen somewhere, and I thought it'd make, like, a good bad movie. But this one was mostly just bad. Oh, yeah. But it's Speed 2 Cruise Control, Pablo. You have to say its full name. (laughs) Yeah, Speed 2 Cruise Control, which is a great use of a colon, I have to say. Yeah. Who's, I wonder whose idea it was to have this on a cruise ship. Were cruise ships hot in 1997 or like, what was, I don't know. Well, that's a good question, but that kind of goes back to the inception of this movie, which is that the director, John DeBont, who is also the director of The First Speed, had a nightmare, like a recurring nightmare, in which a cruise ship crashed into a, a marina. So then that's obviously what happens at the end of this movie. Spoilers. He's like, I couldn't shake the feeling that all these tourists would suffer a horrible fate or something but now i'm just imagining like was the executive meeting he just went in there and said to them i had this really weird dream and they're like great we'll green light it for 130 million or however much (laughs) yeah this guy's a charmer that's how he gets the stuff made this movie has um bad sequelitis all over it um you can tell right off the bat because one of the main stars of the original movie keanu reeves decided not to reprise his role So instead of his character, um, Jack, in the first movie, we get Alex in this one, who's a very generic cop character. And he, yeah, he's LAPD. Oh yeah, the LAPD. So I'm like, oh god, they're gonna be super racist. I I did not trust him, yeah, the whole film. (laughs) I love how this movie starts. It just starts with the character, um, Alex, riding a motorcycle. So right off the bat, the stupidest thing possible is happening. He's just like leaping over something on a red motorcycle. They have like a really uninspired. <laughs> yeah, it's like a bad Fast in the Fast and Furious race with a motorcycle. Exactly. <laughs> and then it cuts between that and Sandra Bullock's character, like sort of just being a goof. Uh, she's like failing her driving exam. Um, she's driving some like weird amphibious-looking tank car for some reason. Yeah, the, throughout this whole movie, Sandra Bullock is kind of like a slapstick character or something like she might as well be like slipping on banana peels while driving this car (laughs) right exactly they really diminished her character from the original movie which maybe we should talk about for a second um so obviously in the original speed they had a bus uh which is kind of a good hook in that one because it seems sort of plausible like what if a terrorist really did just hijack a bus they could probably like fuck things up and then that one they actually took the time to develop the character so it's actually sort of involving in a way Whereas in this one, you just have, like, way more characters, and you don't really learn or interact with them at all in a meaningful way. I guess I should have maybe watched Speed 1, or the first Speed. Um, but I can only guess that it had slightly fewer of these background characters who are just, like, there for no reason because it's a cruise ship. <laughs> Uh, well, so in the original Speed, you're basically in the bus with Sandra Bullock the whole movie. So she's like having to trust these other characters, and some of them die along the way, and some of them like become more heroic or less heroic. Oh, yeah, this is not like that at Keanu all. Keanu Reeves is actually like a way better character somehow. Yeah, there isn't really character development and stuff. But I was surprised to learn that this one was directed by the same guy, John DeBont, um, because I had kind of assumed that they had gotten some other guy, but apparently it's the same director from the first one. (laughs) 
Yeah, and this guy also directed Twister, apparently, which is pretty well regarded. So it's kind of weird. Twister. I think it was just like a cash and sequel, obviously. Yeah, try, trying to be a comedy or something. But yeah, we couldn't believe we had to like look up, or I we, I looked up like what did she drive in the first Speed? Because I couldn't. She's like bumbling in this film, and she can't even pass her driving test. So I was like, what? Um. But she did drive, so she's gotten worse at driving. And if this movie had been done with any consideration, they could have just made Sandra Bullock's mm. character the main one. They didn't even need the guy. Just like a boring character, so why not just make Sandra Bullock the ultimate? Oh, but yeah, so I guess there was something in the first one about Keanu Reeves could give um, Sandra Bullock instructions. And so that's how she was able to navigate the bus under his tutelage or oh, whatever. Yeah. So I guess she's just bumbling unless she has a man to tell her what to do. <laughs> well, yeah, and the first one is sort of a romance film because they, like, as they go through these daring uh, rescue maneuvers, they bond and fall in love or whatever stupid thing. Right, yeah, they experience a shared trauma and then fall in love. <laughs> but yeah, in this one, Sandra Bullock basically just does one actual active thing, which is she has to rescue some passengers who are locked in a room. So she like comes over with a chainsaw. <laughs> she sawed through the cheap cruise ship door. Those thin yeah, so that's walls. like the only time she actually does something. The rest of the movie is just like nothing. Yeah, basically. There are like maybe it's a couple times like she throws down the gangplank or something to save people that are on the fallen off lifeboat. While Alex is just, like, climbing around trying to be heroic, and she's just like, here, let me get the gangplank. Yeah, she does, like, random things of little consequence. Yeah, know. but overall, a bad character. yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> and it could have been a better character. And I wrote, too, that they just introduced way too many characters on the cruise ship for me to even keep track of. Um... But it's sort of like Titanic, where you get introduced at the dinner table and around the cruise ship to all these different people, but they just go way overboard on the extras that get lines. Exactly, and they're not, like, very well-developed characters. Um, they're, like, less than one note. <laughs> like, non-dimensional characters. Yeah. And I was just realizing oh. this is a bad year for sequels, because it's also the same year that The Lost World came out, the Jurassic Park sequel. That was also terrible. <laughs> the bad year for sequels. Um, but that's why it reminded me of Con Air, is it had all these characters with one line, one-liners or whatever, but they had no real development. Oh yeah, it was very similar to Con Air. Definitely, like, the tone. Like, it had that same sort of cheesy, tacky tone. Uh-huh. Late 90s cinema... <laughs> that's the thing about this movie it's not really entertaining in any way um it's all just like very hackily done yeah just thrown together sort of um but we haven't gotten to perhaps maybe the most interesting person in the film willem dafoe oh yeah willem dafoe was definitely the best part of this movie by far and it was funny i was realizing i didn't even really know who he was like when i saw this as a kid but now obviously he's been in a lot more movies yeah, he's a really over-the-top evil guy. Oh, yeah. So I love his whole backstory, too. Apparently, he just, like, worked for the companies that made all the um, software for these cruise liners. And then they, like, axed him or something, and he had some sort of fatal disease. So he's just like, fuck it, I'm going to try to kill them all. Yeah, it was some sort of revenge uh, film. 
It's not even like uh, in either of these movies. I don't think they're trying to um, ransom anything. They're not like saying, like, give me a bunch of money or I'll kill these guys. They're just trying to kill them. It's sort of a distraction. <laughs> right. So the goal is just to save themselves from crashing. Right. And in the first movie, it was specifically sort of revenge against Keanu Reeves' character. Like he was on the tail of this guy played by Dennis Hopper in that one. Oh. Uh, whereas in this one, I think they might have tried to imply that there was a connection between... Um, Alex and the bad guy in this one, but I wasn't sure. But yeah, oh, and okay, but he does. Willem Dafoe does give them a chance to evacuate the ship, right? But yeah, he does. Yeah, but he wants to blow up the uh, oil tanker with the cruise ship. Yeah, eventually we realize that. Um, but um, we had kind of realized that this is almost a prelude to Titanic. Like, there's some very similar <laughs> elements, I guess, of going down with the ship. <laughs> But it's kind of funny that movie's so well regarded, whereas this movie is so shitty. Um, but yeah, just a lot of the same scenes of like characters waiting around in like knee deep water, and uh, I don't know ships like failing to like break free, people being trapped like, people in rooms, falling. and like rooms filling with water specifically, and trying to get up to the deck, and well, I don't know, yeah. Or people getting pulled into turbines. Yeah. Ooh. Um, yeah, they, he just throws the captain off the ship who gets sucked under the ship, I think. Oh yeah, the captain just dies. <laughs> but I kind of thought it would have been funny if there had just been two, uh, uh, two Jacks, like if he had just played Keanu Reeves' character and everyone just pretended like it was the same guy. Yeah, it would have, yeah, because they, what was the f- one line reason they gave for Jack not being there? Sandra Bullock says something at the beginning and I missed it. Uh, it was just like some, some stupid throwaway line about like um, he could never stop being a cop or like somehow she's pissed that uh, both her boyfriends are cops or something like that. Oh. Remember, maybe she didn't even know that Alex was one. Right. So her one of her big nagging girlfriend motivations is to not have her uh, partners do dangerous jobs, but I guess they're both tied to their job. And then, yeah, she did not know that right. Alex was like, I guess, an undercover cop. And obviously we know from the events of the first movie that really she loves a, like, thrilling adventure, and that's, like, what gets her off or whatever. Oh, yeah. That's what she got with Keanu Reeves, so they totally just, like, spin the face of the first movie for no real reason. Right. What we loved about Willem Dafoe is that he's very one-note as well. He's just, like, kind of a cackling madman. <laughs> he is. At least he has a face that's, like, fun. He's sort of, yeah, like a cackling joker, kind of a flat joker character yeah he's kind of like maybe the most engaged actor it's kind of like in um jupiter ascending how there was that one character who's like really engaged played by eddie redmayne yeah yeah he was um really milking it too but yeah because willem willem dafoe's got those big eyes and he was really utilizing those oh yeah exactly Oh, and uh, it's like an animated character. His weird villain quirk, like he was a Bond villain or something, was the leeches. Oh yeah, he just goes to his uh, cabin room and just like takes out two jars full of leeches, and like that's not explained for a while. And then even know what it is, it's like I guess he has some sort of a- blood ailment. Yeah, that was his disease. It could be treated by leech. It could actually be treated by leeches. <laughs> If only I hadn't gotten fired by the software yeah. ships company. I was not even sure what this character's name was. I just called him Leeches the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm reading right here. His name is John Geiger. Oh, pfft. yeah, Leeches. <laughs> so I love that the impetus of this movie is literally just that after um, Annie and Alex uh, 
after Annie realizes that Alex is a cop, she's just like, we need to go on a vacation. So they just take a Caribbean cruise. Mm-hmm. And that's like the whole start of this movie. Yes. They just got to get away from it all, but not really. <laughs> but it'll bring them closer together. Or maybe one of them already just like bought the tickets. Yeah, because he was planning to propose. So maybe it was already sort of in the works. Oh yeah, Alex surprises her, that's right. Yeah, he has, he's, that's another stupid gag throughout the whole film is him trying to find the right moment to propose. Right. I also loved how, I think at a certain point you realized that 20 minutes had passed in the movie and like literally nothing had happened. Yeah. It was just like a stupid chase scene and then a bunch of cruise-based humor. Then finally Willem Dafoe starts like fucking things up on the ship. Right. It's just like so much of them just kind of walking around the cruise ship doing nothing. It's truly a portrait of banality. Yes. (laughs) But no, this movie is like hell. It's like a carnival cruise line ad. Gone to hell. (laughs) It is horrible. And then uh, Willem Dafoe took years to put together his elaborate plan. He like hides all these cables and a bunch of golf clubs. (laughs) And starts like writing a script. Oh yeah. Take over the ship. What else did he hide? He had wires in the golf clubs. Oh, and the actual um, balls themselves were little bombs that he uses later. Oh right, the golf balls. That's how. That's how the Alex character realizes what's going on. Which is the stupidest. He's thing like ever. the guy that plays golf. It's him. Wait a minute. The golf balls are grenades. <laughs> Yeah, and he has the a hackery computer which hacks into the ship's main menu, and you just see like this digitally like eight bit image of a cruise ship. It's pretty good computers. At a certain point, I decided that the music was offensive. It was just like vaguely Caribbean, but <laughs> oh, I'm just like I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna give this the opposite of the benefit of the doubt and just say it's racist somehow. Somehow they're getting this wrong. Well, they're just they're still white tourists and. Yeah, there's, like, a helper character, like, a guy from the Caribbean who, like, works on the ship. But yeah, it's obviously that the writers didn't break the bank on this one. They didn't, like, put too much work into this. Definitely, they phoned it in on this one. Oh, at some point there was a really, like, obvious camel product placement. Someone's just, like, smoking some cigarettes. Uh- and someone's like, oh, camel. It's like, oh, yeah, here, we're taking Oh, my God, that's so sinister. Yeah, and then they go to a band that's, like, hardcore 90s and have a really gross kiss. (laughs) Oh, can we talk about Sandra Bullock's nipples and areolas? Oh, let's definitely talk about that. (laughs) She's just wearing a white tank top in a scene, um, and it's completely see-through. Yeah, we realized that she had the 90s bra, which apparently just lets, like, nipples poke through. So, yeah, you can very obviously see her nipples. <laughs> and areolas, apparently. <laughs> it's pretty hot for the audience. She did look good in this movie, I have to say, with the tan or whatever. <laughs> yes. That was, like, the only good thing. She's probably probably going into this movie, she's like, yeah, I could use a house and a free vacation. <laughs> that yeah, was her whole motivation. Basically. One thing I didn't understand was... Um, one scene that's kind of almost irrelevant is like the evil guys in uh, Willem Dafoe's in his room being doing stuff on the computer, I guess. Being evil. Yeah, being evil. And then the employee just comes in, and even though he has the do not disturb <laughs> sign on. I was like, what was this employee oh, thinking? Yeah. <laughs> huh, yeah, that was a really weird scene. I was wondering if he was trying to like walk in on him doing something, or I don't know. Or if he had a sense, if he was a good Samaritan. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's either some sort of gay panic scene where it's like male uh, cleaners will come in and 
want to have sex with you, or it's like he had ESP and realized he was bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The guy has so ESP. The only two interpretations. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be like so weird, except they definitely put a button on it. Like, I mean, they had this whole scene where he's basically saying, like, I had the do not disturb sign. Well, didn't you see it? Yeah, and the guy's like, haha, I changed it to please walk in. <laughs> But yeah, then he bashes him with a golf club and just, like, leaves him to die, but he ends up fine. They end up rescuing him, even though he's been locked in the closet. So then, meanwhile, our heroes are seeing this band, at, like, a, in a ballroom, and the Alex character has a cute moment with this, like, um, preteen deaf girl, where he, like, talks to her in sign language. But he's such, like, a black hole of personality, <laughs> this actor, Yep. that the moment just doesn't work at all. Like, at any other actor, maybe it would be cute, but... Yeah, honestly, she seemed like a plant for him to talk to, because it was just so fake. <laughs> yeah, he's like, lying. Yeah. And Sandra Bullock's like, oh, you speak another language. I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, Jason Patrick would be great in a movie that didn't require any moving or acting of any, of any kind, if he just, like, stood there. <laughs> Apparently he's great. Jackie Gleason's grandchild. What? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. He should have kept his original name, Jackie Gleason. Yeah. But yeah, the Alex guy, uh, he just has these horrible lines. Like, after um, communicating with the girl across the room, um, he's like, I wanted to learn another language. And then, like, when he wants to dance, like, they have some stupid thing. He's like, I'd like to boogie with you. And it's just, like, the worst, like, the worst lot. This guy is horrible. Yeah, he's like, do you want to boogie? I would like to boogie with you. <laughs> Please, come on, spoogie-ing. <laughs> it's basically that level of acting. Everyone's drinking at the party, so why didn't Willem Dafoe just poison everyone? Would have been a lot easier. Yep. Well, I guess he was, he didn't necessarily want to kill the passengers, but of that ship, he wanted to kill the passengers of the oil tanker. Oh, yeah, that didn't really make much sense. Because he was, yeah, he gave them like three minutes to evacuate, and then they fucked it up beca basically because of the Alex guy running around. And so one, one boat full, one lifeboat full of passengers can't get off, and that's all the characters left on, like, for the rest of the film. And that's how you see the same horrible people. Oh, and then there are some people, like, trapped in the room where Sandrick has to get them out with the chainsaw. Let's go back to how exactly we got here. Um, like, Defoe does his famous drunk act <laughs> and, like, tricks the captain to coming over and he knocks him over by spinning a thing. Yes, he's a great and then actor. And he, like, kind of takes control of the ship, the ship's bridge. Yes. And that we get introduced to Mr. Giuliano, who has to run the ship now that the captain's dead. And they just keep saying Mr. Giuliano over and over again. I'm not going to lie. What happens to Mr. Giuliano is really fucked up. Oh, <laughs> by the end yeah. Of the movie, he's broken both arms. He gets hit in the arm by, by something during, like, midway through. And then at the end, he gets flung through a window and he breaks his other arm. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> And then the guy, the guy Alex, like, pats him on the shoulders, and he's like, ow. And I was like, this guy Alex is a horrible person. But yeah, I didn't really understand how if Willem Dafoe just worked on the software, how he knew everything about the ship's design. Like, somehow he knew how to work everything, basically. Yeah, he learned how to be, like, a spy and have, like, little bombs and equipment and, like, act drunk to get into the 
ship's, like, bridge. <laughs> I kind of had the thought, like, this movie came out in the 90s. It would have been nice if the character had looked more McVeigh-ish or something. Or just, like, oh, God. Like, stereotypically... That'd make it too scary. Picture these figures as opposed to Willem Dafoe. He's, like, very smooth. Like, unrealistic. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe they were trying to make it a comedy because it didn't, I don't know, it'd be too scary or something. Oh, we completely forgot to talk about a really important scene. Oh, the movie within a movie? Yeah, there's that whole scene where Alex and Annie are just hanging out in their room and watching a movie. But the movie just happens to be Lolita. Like, if any movie you could choose, like, literally you could choose any movie, they should make the Lolita. Right. It's the 1962 black and, it's like black and white, and they say Lolita on the, it's like a scene, a clip, a snippet where they actually say Lolita, so there's like no questioning what the film is, and and they're just watching it casually. <laughs> yeah, as you do, you just like watch Lolita, which I mean, I guess it's a well-regarded novel or whatever, but... Just in this current climate, it felt really creepy, especially paired with the actual 12-year-old No, she was who... 14. She was 14, and she said, I like she. I love you, and I'm turning 15 next month to the Alex guy. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's really yeah, gross. Maybe she totally just comes on to him. Ew, yeah, so it's just like, this film is actually Lolita. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it makes perfect sense. Yeah, like he comes back after being alone with, with saving the girl and returns her to the family. But it's like, what was he doing in that time they were unaccounted for? But yeah, basically, it just added a really weird tint to this film uh, because there's a whole subplot about the girl getting stuck in an elevator and how Alex has to go save her. And <laughs> Yeah, and her throwing herself at him, basically. it's It's her... She's consenting or whatever. It's like women are conniving and men are bumblers or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bumblers. Yeah, it's this, just this weird running uh, gag. Yeah, so there's a a Lolita meta film in which, yeah, where they're watching Lolita. And then they're also watching The Enemy Below on TV in the ship somewhere. Oh, right. Yeah. Later in the movie, they watch a, m a movie that's about like a shipwreck. And that's when we realized that if that movie was directly commenting on what was going on in the film, then therefore Lolita would also have to directly comment on what's going on in the film. Yeah. And therefore, the director clearly chose that movie on purpose to have this weird tinge. <laughs> the director's, th this is his confessional about his um, interests. Yeah, it was really disturbing. Uh, yeah, The Enemy Below is a 1957 a war film which tells the story of the battle between the captain of an American destroyer escort and the commander of a German U-boat during World War II. That sounds like a way better movie. Willem Dafoe is the German U-boat and Alex <laughs> is the American destroyer escort. <laughs> oh, I like that interpretation. <laughs> One actually good thing about this we decided was that the hacking looked relatively realistic compared to, um, I don't know, The Net or something like that. Another Sandra Bullock film. The Net? Oh, gosh. <laughs> like, it actually looks like Linux or something that they're typing. With. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it probably was some 1997 technology. I wasn't sure. At some point, Willem Dafoe just downs a bunch of pills. He just, like, pops some pills back. And I wasn't sure if that was because he was an addict or if it was his medicine of some sort. Yeah, but he said... I don't go to regular doctors, I just use my leeches. So I was confused about the pills, too. <laughs> so yeah, um, then there's a whole thing about Alex and Mr. Giuliano trying to figure out what's going on, uh, what this guy wants, and kind of getting misdirected. 
And meanwhile, they have this whole idea about closing all the fire doors, which causes a bunch of people to get trapped. Right. So then Sandra Bullock has to use a chainsaw to get them out. And it's a really stupid scene because she finds this utility closet and finds one chainsaw. <laughs> Decides it's not enough, and then sees it just happens to be another bigger chainsaw, and is like, this is perfect. <laughs> also, those are some thin doors she could just chainsaw through. Yeah, and meanwhile, Alex is, like, trying to figure out what's going on, and a bunch of fake bombs are going off. And Alex is like, this is sulfur. Somehow he knows, because he's a super cop. Yep, he, he's super LAPD. Oh, yeah, and the kid, when she was... So the kid's stuck in the elevator, those people are stuck in that room. So that's when Sandra Bullock and Alex are, like, separated, saving different people. But the girl in the elevator is able to walk up the walls by stretching the length of the elevator. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this elevator's only as wide as a child's height. Which doesn't seem big <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's like, um... Yeah. Yeah, anyways, that was a weird scene. I guess scene. she just stretched out or something. Yeah, she was, like, super strong. She had a super strength. Oh, so when all the passengers are stuck in the little compartment, I guess they're trying to do, like, the speed one thing where you sort of get to know the characters, but they're all really stupid and all they have is, like, stupid lines. Yeah. So you just realize that they're terrible characters. And one of the actresses in particular was terrible. She just, like, keeps talking about her sister, like, saying, please, sister. Oh, yeah, she had, like, one line. It was really annoying. And then that there was a guy in there who was maybe married but kind of creepy or something. Oh, yeah. Um, just there, yeah, they weren't very good characters. <laughs> so, yeah, this is when Alex is trying to find uh, Willem Dafoe that he detonates the explosives and somehow right. everyone's fine they just like jump out of the way yeah like a cheesy slow motion leap he's like fondling the golf balls but yeah they all are in the room when the bombs go off and oh, yeah. they just jump out of there so it's like there's no real consequences unless you get sucked up under the ship into the turbine <laughs> oh yeah just as long as you don't land in the water you're fine. <laughs> and i forgot there's like totally another cheesy slow motion leap when Alex has to save his friend uh, who fell when the like lifeboat jammed, he just like jumps out onto the boat and like saves him. Oh yeah, yeah, he's all being like super heroic, and Sandra Bullock's more of the practical person, and he's just like ridiculous yeah. and in he's um a, an adrenaline junkie. Exactly. I felt constantly throughout this film as though the writers could have tried a little bit harder to at least make it cheesier. Like, they could have had Willem Dafoe have some stupid accent or something. I don't know. Yeah, like, full Bond villain kind of vibe. Well, since The Enemy Below and that Lolita film are pretty old, like, from 57 and 62, they could have gone kind of retro with it. And, like, don't they mention the love boat as well? Wait a minute, but you're exactly right. This movie's exactly as though an old man wrote it. And that's why all the humor is so cheesy. Yeah. It's just a bunch of stupid puns. And, like, oh, he's using golf shit to hijack <laughs> the ship. Oh, my gosh. I think we've uncracked the case. <laughs> yeah, it's some creepy old man, and he has a Lolita complex. Yeah. Ugh. He, like, writes into the script, you must have this scene, or it doesn't work. Yeah, we have to have this girl character, and we have to have this clip from the from the other film. <laughs> I love the scene where Alex just opens um, opens up a closet door, thinking that Willem Dafoe will be there, and she's that guy that Willem Dafoe uh, smacked earlier. And Alex just has a shotgun. I was like, oh no, it's gonna be like burn after reading. He's just gonna shoot him in the face or something. Yeah. Ashton was his name. 
because <laughs> there is kind of a comedy aspect because I mean yeah Burn After Reading was a dark comedy and there's definitely trying to be comedy in this film so it would kind of go together Oh, and one thing that we noticed, so when they are together and not separated on the ship, they'll, they have to say each other's names three times. So Alex will say, Annie, Annie, Annie. And she'll say, Alex, <laughs> Alex, Alex. I was like, oh my God, what is this? Oh yeah, you're right. They do do that a lot. Yeah. So meanwhile, like you said, the deaf girl managed to get out of the elevator and Alex has to go save her because he noticed that the... Um, the way they were closing the blast doors would start to drown her or something. Yeah, they were flooding a room and she was in there. They saw on the screen, of course. Yeah, so he's like running around with a shotgun. Like, yeah. So he has to hold the shotgun the entire it's time. It's in the water. There's no way it would work. Yeah, he just drenches them in the <laughs> water and eventually he sees Willem Dafoe and he sets off in more explosives. Right. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't call the mad bomber, actually. That would have made more sense. Yeah. That actually, yeah. But there's, like, it's basically a chase scene with um, a bro and a nerd, or, like, a chase between the a bro, the Alex character, and then the nerd, the Willem Dafoe guy who's, like, hacking and stuff. Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it is totally a bro nerd off. Yeah. But I definitely know why they greenlit this movie, because about 90% of it is just them running around these enclosed sets that are obviously on a soundstage. Mm. Oh. So yeah, half, of them, half the movie is just them running against these generic sets, and the camera just sort of stands there, and they just like run by it or whatever. Yeah, you're right. There's definitely no points for editing or uh, director of photography or like any sort of innovation in cinema. In filmmaking, <laughs> like as generic as you could imagine. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and before Annie saves the people in the compartment, um, they decide they have to block off the vents because a bunch of smoke is coming through. So then someone says, take off all your bras, ladies. Oh, I bet that was the creepy guy. Uh, was that the creepy guy? Is that why I thought he was creepy? <laughs> they're, oh, probably. They're like, take off all your clothes. <laughs> But yeah, all the tone and pacing in this movie is just like so poor. Like nothing happens for nothing happens for long stretches, and then there's just a bunch of dumb jokes that don't land. They're just way off. Yeah, we were like halfway through the film, and I was like, "What are they doing for the last hour?" It's duh. <laughs> Let's see. So Alex and the deaf girl uh, get into a little slip and slide situation. The the corridor starts flooding, so they have to like escape into a weird fish hook room. So yeah, that's when they have the scene where the deaf 14-year-old girl is telling the 35-year-old man that she's going to be 15 in a month. And I, yeah, and also that, like, it's it was something weird where she says it in the third person, like, she loves you, or I love, instead of I love you. It, but yeah, she's basically confessing that she has a crush on him or something. Yeah, it was really gross. Uh, yeah. Let's see, then Defoe closes off another part of the ship and uses a grenade to sort of block it. That's when Annie and Alex finally reconnect. Annie comes to the door and is like, how do I get you out? So then Alex has to talk her through how to get rid of the grenade. There's this whole like slapsticky scene where she has to like hold the grenade closed while they take out the pin and everyone falls back. Oh, yeah. It's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, like carefully pulling out the pin, disarming this... Oh my gosh, yeah, that was a scene. There was a whole other... There are like multiple times where they're trying to slow the ship down or stop the ship, and that's why they were flooding the room. And then they're also trying to stop the rudder with a cable. But yeah, just the whole movie, it's just like attempt after attempt, and somehow this goes on for two hours. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was realizing it's almost similar to the format of Home Alone. Like, you just take the exact same basic format and do it twice. Like, the first speed was basically just a bunch of hijinks aboard a bus. Like, they're trying to slow it down. Since the whole hook of that movie is you can't slow the bus down. Yeah. And then, same shit in this one, but it's more like the villain is just trying a bunch of shit. See what happens. Right. Villain hijinks. But yeah, that's when um, Willem Dafoe uh, reveals to them that he's taking revenge because apparently he got sick from copper poisoning. Oh, right. And then he decides to go crash the ship into an oil tanker. Yeah, like his motivation was sort of explained, but it's still weird how he like lets some people go, but then doesn't really care about anyone. But then, I don't know. Yeah, he's just like running around, I guess, trying to thwart people from thwarting his plan. <laughs> He's running around with an armband computer. Uh, oh, yeah. Badass and not a nerd. Yeah, he's like typing on his armband like a, his, his, an Iron Man suit or something. <laughs> we hired Willem Dafoe to be a nerd and grimace a bunch. Yeah. Oh, there's an amazing scene where um, he's using intercom and he happens to play a snippet of music over the intercom. And instantly Annie's like, oh, it must be coming from the shopping district. <laughs> Somehow she has memorized all the music that plays in the shopping area of the mall. Oh, yeah, she's, she sets her lady. Yep, she's really into shopping. <laughs> I don't know what this means, but I love it. I just wrote, he's like, I was nearly free of this burden. <laughs> so then that's when the scene is happening with the um, jamming of the propellers. Oh, that's when Mr. Giuliano breaks his arm the first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the cable, like, whips around and... Yeah, he was holding yeah, the cable on. Just snaps at him. Jeez. So there's this whole convoluted sequence where Alex just has to be the fucking hero again, and somehow he's gonna survive, like swimming amongst the propellers where everyone else instantly dies. Yep. So they just like tie a bunch of rope to him, and he's like going under with a heavy cable, but somehow it gets all twisted up with his air tank. And there's this whole like stupid convoluted scene where he's like gonna slowly get pulled in. Oh no, can they save him? And then eventually it's just like really bad CGI, and he manages to like. Uh, jam it up. Oh, yeah, I like the CGI rope cable. <laughs> Some good technology. But then I saw at the end of the movie that this was actually CGI done by ILM, who also does, like, the Star Wars films and Jurassic Park and <laughs> the Lucas things and Marvel now. But yeah, then the tension becomes we're gonna slowly crash into the harbor. Well, for 90 1997 CGI, it wasn't bad. <laughs> That's true. I guess it wasn't that bad. It just did not add to the movie since it was already so bad. Yes. Um... But yeah, their plan to thwart Willem Dafoe's plan gets thwarted by Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Yeah, basically the Annie character is just really terrible as she's written. Is that when he takes her as the hostage? Oh yeah, so when all this crap is going on, um, Willem Dafoe's character just manages to corral her down onto a jet ski. <laughs> That's right. Actually, it's a double boat. Yeah. One, it's a jet ski attached to a boat, so there are two seats or something. Yeah, it's some like made-up ship thing that no one's ever seen before. <laughs> and he says, you're my little hostage. He's like really creepy to her. But my favorite part about all this is that then basically they do slowly just slam into the harbor. Like they're not able to stop it. They, they barely even try. Like at some point they just sort of give up and are just staring as they slowly crash into this elaborate like set piece. And meanwhile, while all the shit's going on, Annie and um, Willem Dafoe are just off on some fucking jet ski. Like, they miss this whole fucking thing. Yeah, it's, the timelines don't really align because they're getting a lot done in the boat plotline. But who even knows what Annie and Willem Dafoe are doing? <laughs> um, but they're able to steer the ship to not blow up the oil tanker. But then that takes them right into the harbor. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, exactly. It's just some stupid escalation. And it's like all in slow-mo because they I think they kind of slow it down and them crashing into the harbor is slowing it down, but they're just like crushing people. Like you see people in rooms that are like getting destroyed and so they probably got at least injured. Yeah, but then the worst part is at the end of the movie, Willem Dafoe flies his fucking plane into the oil tanker and blows it up anyway. So the whole fucking thing was pointless. Oh yeah, I guess they, but they were able to evacuate the people from the oil tanker because he crashes into the boat and it has like a few minutes before it explodes for some reason. Uh, I love the shots in the oil tanker too. It's just like men doing stuff and like awkward shots, like Americana, uh, men doing work. This is, this is an oil tanker. <laughs> yes. Everything's sort of a generic stereotype or something. I think we both agreed that if this had been a sex cruise ship, then the movie would have been a lot better. Oh, yeah. Oh, we forgot about how they didn't try dropping the anchors until the very end? Oh, yeah. Not until they're nearly at the harbor do they think to drop a bunch of anchors that apparently this boat has. They just never tried using. Yeah, that was, we were like, when they were like, okay, drop anchor one, we were like, what? They have an anchor? And then they were like, okay, five minutes later, like, drop anchor two. I was like, what? Try the second anchor. They <laughs> had two anchors that whole time? Oh my god. You didn't immediately drop the fucking anchors? <laughs> so that was weird. <laughs> And honestly, the movie could have just ended with the oil tanker sequence or had like another scene of Alex saving uh, Sandra Bullock. But instead, they have this whole elaborate harbor it thing. It keeps that, going like, on. to be in the movie. Yeah. But apparently was the movie, really. Right. The slow motion, non-speedy boat crashing scene is actually like the culmination of the film. Yeah. Someone just hits the fuck things up button. That causes them to introduce even more characters on the harbor, including a Jack Russell, like, terrier-looking dog. Yeah, there's so much fucking business on this goddamn harbor. Like, this is clearly the principal part of the film that they worked on. Mm-hmm. Just, like, all this shit with, like, a guy on a surfboard, and yeah, it's like a Fraser-looking dog. Let's see, Alex is violently ejected out of the front of the boat. He just, like, smashes through the- Oh, yeah, him and Mr. Giuliano, yep. They knock over this, like, giant wine billboard uh, so they can make that stupid joke about, you know, how you hit a wine bottle on a ship to set it off. Oh, my God. Yeah, this whole sequence made me realize that this movie needs a making of documentary called A Grim Descent to Hell or something like that. Yes. (laughs) There's a open, closed... uh, um, shop gag like someone just sees a ship coming down the street so he like flips the sign from open to closed i know yeah there's like a sex gag yeah people in a bedroom a family in a room with the kid being like wow a boat (laughs) and meanwhile we're just wondering how does this advance willem dafoe's plan or like what even is his plan at this point yeah i'm not sure he even knew (laughs) and finally after like i don't know it felt like 20 minutes of bullshit um like it it was cool i guess just like the models and all that but it's like an entirely pointless scene i didn't like that they they made them like jokes these extras but they were getting crushed by a boat oh yeah no that's the stupid thing like it should have been sort of dramatic or like thrilling or horrific almost like one of these stupid roland emmerich films with like shit just going bananas but instead, instead <laughs> they make all these stupid jokes. Yeah, it's played for laughs. It's really weird. A weird tone to this film. And then the cruise ship stops just short of destroying a fancy car with the dog in it. Oh yeah, the dog survives. Yes, that fucking dog. And then the anchor breaks away anyway and destroys the car. Oh. So uh, can be like, oh no, my car. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh my god. 
kind of remembering E.T. from the other week and thinking that if he had watched this movie, it would have been a grim indictment of humanity. Yeah, he would have gone off the wall after watching that. (laughs) (laughs) Phone home, phone home. (laughs) <laughs> oh, and finally, when they've stopped this fucking ship after this long bullshit sequence, the boat just, like, falls over. Like, slowly, just, like, struggles over. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And someone makes, uh, I think Mr. Giuliano makes a joke. He's like, we're docked. We did it. Oh, my God. Ha, ha, ha. Such a good joke. <laughs> and Mr. Giuliano's like, oh, yeah, I broke my other arm. I broke both Yeah, arms. That's ho- that was horrible. My arms are broken. Ha ha, Mr. Giuliano. And then Alex is unscathed somehow. And then there's, and then the movie is still not done. No, then they have to do the whole sequence where he saves Sandra Bullock. From being kidnapped. Solo adventure. Yeah, and it's, so it's really three endings because of the, they avert the oil tanker explosion. Then they crash into the dock and then... He has to save Annie one-on-one. Well, it's kind of... I mean, the first speed was kind of like that. It was just like, first the man should do this thing, then the man should do that thing. But somehow in that one, it worked. Whereas this one, it doesn't work at all. It's just like, no, why is there still half an hour left? (laughs) Like a series of escalating challenges or whatever to overcome. Yes. Sandra passes by some some guy in the Caribbean who I think was a callback, but I'm not sure to what. Maybe the first speed or something early in the movie. Oh, there's a guy and maybe his girlfriend. Uh, I don't know what they're doing. They're just chillaxing. <laughs> they're just chilling. Yeah. And then it's like the least compelling jet ski footage ever filmed. They're just like slowly boating along. Like neither of them has a gun or anything. So they're just like very slowly pup 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 butting until finally Willem Dafoe uh, revs his boat into the back of a plane and just like takes off in a plane now right and annie's in the plane like he's taking her up he's taking her with him who even knows what his motivation is yeah oh i don't understand his motivation at all like in the first one it was very clear uh it was dennis hopper wanted revenge on keanu reeves (laughs) this one it's though it's as though willem dafoe wants to punish the boat itself yeah which he does do and then he still has to take yeah, this he definitely kid- destroys the boat he still wants to take sandra bullock for some reason there's a really silly series of stunts from alex where he's just like jumping and leaping and crawling along boats <laughs> and being pulled out on a line by the plane oh yeah does he go fishing he goes fishing for the plane Oh, yeah, he, like, lands on a boat and commandeers it from the Caribbean guy, and he's just, like, using a power reel to hook himself on the yeah. plane somehow. And, yeah, so a ridiculous plane rescue scene where he gets Annie out of the plane, and then that's when they, the guy destroys the tanker by crashing his plane. Willem Dafoe loses for no apparent reason at all. There's just a scene where, um, so Alex has made it onto the plane, and then Willem Dafoe just stares at him, like, shocked or something. Yeah. And he just gets punched or whatever. But <laughs> there's no reason for that. He could just, like, punch back. Or... Yeah, it was a ridiculous rescue scene for sure. And then it's just something stupid, like, the sun glares in his eyes, and that causes him to, like, get caught on the pole. Yeah, he just, like, runs into a pole on the plane. <laughs> And then he thinks he's fine, and he's, like, laughing, and all this gasoline's coming out of the plane, and he just blows up. And that causes the whole oil tanker to blow up, which probably kills a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Maybe they probably evacuated some, but... You're right. It's still pretty stupid. Yeah, uh, and, like, they're under... Then Sandra Bullock and the Alex guy are underwater, like, making out while it's exploding or something. Yeah, he's, like, doing the old James Bond trick of giving her air from his own mouth. Um, but then there's a bunch of bubbles all around them, so they're just, like, wasting a lot of air anyway. Yep, they're just basically making out. <laughs> so I definitely think the reason this movie got made 
was A, because of the dream this director had, and then B, they probably had a really good deal on decommissioned oil tanker, and they're just like, <laughs> we're going to blow this up anyway. Do you want to buy it and use it in this dog turd? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> That's a good reason to make a film. <laughs> That's true, yeah. It's how The Dark Knight got made. They were like, we have a hospital we want to blow up. Do you want to make a movie around it? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> oh, and then he has... Al- Can I talk about Alex's final cheesy line after, like, boogieing and all that shit mm-hmm. he says want to wear this for like 50 years and that's how he proposes with the ring <laughs> yeah and he's like if you outlive that then then sorry yeah we have, yeah it's, <laughs> exactly i really think they should have gone with the original name for this film speed goes caribbean but yeah i love that the colon is just a stupid bus joke it was pretty exploitative exploitative though like we were talking about with I don't know, just, yeah, like, white people touring the Caribbean and, like, crashing into this yeah. dock. <laughs> Usually I feel um, sort of sympathetic towards crews on bad movies, but this one just really made me feel like, uh, why did they make this movie? Should have called it Speed 2, bad one, bad movie. Oh, and at the end, at the very end, she's trying to take her driving test again and has to, like, slam on the brakes for a bus, which is, like hinting at the original speed oh yeah there's a dumb joke with a bus like almost crashing into her yes it's like oh remember the bus we still got the bus but yeah um i just liked how keanu reeves had um class to not be in this sequel and yet he made the matrix sequels (laughs) well you gotta complete those yeah and bill and ted sequels that's what's really stupid about this movie is it doesn't really lend itself to a sequel at all no especially if you're not going to use keanu reeves yeah because literally the first movie was just there's a bus and sandra bullock and keanu reeves fall in love that's the whole movie it's pretty much just meant to be a cheese kind of a semi semi cheesy like 90s one off <laughs> yeah and obviously we know that the reason they made a sequel is because the first one made oodles of money just like a lot of money oh yeah this one basically broke even it looked like holy shit okay so the first one had a budget of 30 million and made 350 million so basically at that uh, price point you basically have to make a sequel mm-hmm. apparently joss whedon uh helped write the first speed i didn't know that hmm that's funny yeah i'm pretty sure the writers of this one weren't the writers of the first speed right so basically this should have been a direct to vhs or dvd sequel yeah before that time you're right that is the quality level of this <laughs> yeah or they could have, um, they sort of used this idea in the most recent Fast and the Furious movie, but they could have had a movie with a bunch of buses getting hijacked, maybe like unmanned buses, and they're just sort of terrorizing the streets. That would have been way better and more in line. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, the whole cruise ship angle was odd. They could have gone more extreme with the buses. It's apparently sort of an inversion of the Under Siege series, wherein the first movie takes place on a cruise ship and the sequel takes place on a train instead of a bus. Oh. Same basic idea. <laughs> like terrorists taking over big uh, vehicles. Commercial or public tr- uh, vehicles with public... Transit, yeah. Yeah, with transit on... Uh, with passengers, yeah. <laughs> What's also kind of dumb is, I mean, these are obviously both sort of rip-offs of Die Hard in certain respects, but those movies that had like teams of terrorists or teams of like bad guys whereas in both these movies this is one dude somehow doing it all right yeah one guy is his all these different skills is pretty extreme which again they could have made sort of more interesting if they had leaned harder into that 90s sort of terror that existed at the time yeah like people love die hard i guess i don't know 
I didn't see that it was it won the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Remake or Sequel. <laughs> I hope Sandra Bullock won a Raspberry for this. It well, it was nominated for eight of them, but it won that one. But yeah, oh my gosh. I don't know. Usually I try to find like some good part of a movie, but this one is like, ugh, nope. terrible. Nope. <laughs> and that's probably all there is to say about that. I don't know. This movie was a really poorly made Lolita homage. Oh, and the director of this movie actually filmed the first Die Hard, as well as Cujo and The Hunt for Red October and Basic Instinct. So he's worked on a lot of good movies. Mm. It's kind of weird. He does Twister and Speed, which are really good, and films those movies and then directs Speed 2 and kind of just like destroys his career. Hmm. Oh, wait, no, I'm wrong. He also produced Equilibrium Minority Report and then directed the Laura Croft sequel. Ugh. (laughs) Yeah, at some point he just lost whatever he had. Well, it's kind of a shame that they tarnished this series. They either shouldn't have made a sequel at all, or they should have made a sequel that had anything to do with the original movie. If you're just going to take some like crap idea and just slap the name of another series on, then what's the point? You might as well not do it. <laughs> That's true, yeah. You're just trying to trick people into watching your crappy movie, but instead it just fails. So my takeaway is Willem Dafoe's face is the best part, and <laughs> that I'm really creeped out by the subplots. Yeah, I think it was, like, one guy's dream to get this Lolita homage made or something. Speed 2, Lolita. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real literary work. Yes. That was Speed 2, Cruise Control. Signing off for this episode of Cinemazing Chats, I'm Pablo. And I'm Erica.